Chapter Three of The Big Blue Soldier by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Three. Mary Amber was carrying in the great platter of golden brown turkey when he first saw her, and had not heard him come down. She was entirely off her guard, with a sweet, serious intentness upon her work and a stray wisp of gold hair set afloat across the kitchen-flushed cheek she looked so sweet and serviceable and true with her lips parted in the pleasure of completing her task that the soldier was taken by surprise and thrown entirely off his guard was this the false-hearted creature he had come to fight then mary amber felt his eyes upon her as he stood staring from the open hall door and lifting her own clear ones froze into the opponent at once a very polite opponent it's true with all the grace of a young queen but nevertheless an opponent cold as a young icicle miss marilla with bright eyes and preternaturally pink cheeks spoke into the vast pause that suddenly surrounded them all and her voice sounded strangely unnatural to herself Dick this is mary amber i suppose you don't remember her and the young soldier not yet quite recovered from that first sweet vision of mary amber went forward with his belligerence to woman somewhat held in abeyance you have changed a good deal since then haven't you he managed to ask with his native quickness the right thing in an emergency a good many years have passed she said coolly putting out a reluctant hand to please miss marilla you don't look at all as you did i never should have known you the girl was looking keenly at him studying his face closely if a soldier just home from an ocean trip could get any redder his face would have grown so under her scrutiny also now that he was face to face with her he felt his objection to girl in general receding before the fact of his own position how had that ridiculous old woman expected him to carry off a situation like this without giving it away how was he supposed to converse with a girl he had never seen before about things he had never done with a girl whom he was supposed to have played with in his youth why had he been such a fool as to get into this corner just for the sake of one more dinner why to-morrow he would need another dinner and all the to-morrows through which he might have to live what was one dinner more or less he felt in his hip pocket for the comforting assurance of his cap and gave a furtive glance toward the hall door it wouldn't be far to bolt back to the road and what would be the difference he would never see either of the two again then the sweet anxious eyes of his hostess met his with an appealing smile and he felt himself powerless to move the girl's eyes had swept over his ill-fitting uniform and he seemed to feel every crease and stain i thought they told us you were an officer but i don't see your bars she laughed mockingly and searched his face again accusingly this is another fellow's uniform he answered lamely mine got shrunk so i could hardly get into it and another fellow who was going home changed with me he lifted his eyes frankly for it was the truth that he told and he looked into her eyes but saw that she did not believe him her dislike and distrust of the little boy dick had come to the front he saw that she believed that dick had been boasting to his aunt of honors that were not his a wave of anger swept over his face yet somehow he could not summon his defiance somehow he wanted her to believe him 
they sat down at the beautiful table and the turkey got in its work on his poor human sensibilities the delicate perfume of the hot meat as it fell in large flaky slices from miss marilla's sharp knife the whiff of the summer savory and sage and sweet marjoram in the stuffing the smoothness of the mashed potatoes the brownness of the candied sweet potatoes all cried out to him and held him prisoner the odor of the food brought giddiness to his head and the faintness of hunger attacked him a pallor grew under the tan of his face and there were dark shadows under his nice eyes that quite touched miss marilla and almost softened the hard look of distrust that had been growing around mary amber's gentle lips this certainly is great he murmured i don't deserve to get in on anything like this but i'm no end grateful mary amber's questioning eyes recalled him in confusion to his role of nephew in the house and he was glad of the chance to bend his head while miss marilla softly asked the blessing on the meal he had been inclined to think he could get away with any situation but he began to feel now as if his recent troubles had unnerved him and he might make a mess of this one somehow that girl seemed as if she could see into a fellow's heart why couldn't he show her how he despised the whole race of false-hearted womankind they heaped his plate with good things poured him amber coffee rich with cream gave him cranberry sauce and pickles and olives and passed little delicate biscuits and butter with the fragrance of roses with all this before him he suddenly felt as if he could not swallow a mouthful he lifted his eyes to the opposite wall and a neatly framed sentence in quaint old english lettering met his eye who crowneth you with loving-kindness and tender mercies so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles an intense desire to put his head down on the table and cry came over him the warmth of the room the fragrance of the food had made him conscious of an ache in every part of his body his head was throbbing too and he wondered what was the matter with him after all the hardness of the world and the bitterness to meet a kindness like this seemed to unnerve him but gradually the food got in its work and the hot coffee stimulated him he rose to the occasion greatly he described france spoke of the beautiful cathedrals he had seen the works of art the little children the work of reconstruction that was going on spoke of germany too when he saw they expected him to have been there although this was a shoal on which he almost wrecked his role before he realized he told of the voyage over and the people he had met and he kept most distinctly away from anything personal at least as far as mary amber would let him she with her keen questioning eyes was always bringing up some question that was almost impossible for him to answer directly without treading on dangerous ground and it required skill indeed to turn her from it mary listened and marvelled trying continually to trace in his face the lines of that fat-faced arrogant child who used to torment her mary rose to take the plates and the young soldier insisted on helping miss marilla pleased to see them getting on so nicely sat smiling in her place reaching out to brush away a stray crumb on the tablecloth mary lingering in the kitchen for a moment to be sure the fire was not being neglected lifted the stove lid and with the draught a little flame leaped up around a crumpled smouldering yellow paper with the familiar western union telegraph heading three words stood out distinctly for a second impossible to accept and then were enveloped by the flame mary stood and stared with the stove lid in her hand and then as the flame curled the paper over 
she saw Lieutenant Richard revealed and immediately licked up by the flame. It lay a little crisp black fabric, with its message utterly illegible, but still Mary stood and stared and wondered. She had seen the boy on the bicycle ride up and go away. She had also seen the approaching soldier almost immediately, and the thought of the telegram had been at once erased. Now it came back forcefully. Dick then had sent a telegram, and it looked as if he had declined the invitation. Who then was this stranger at the table? Some comrade working Miss Marilla for dinner, or Dick himself, having changed his mind or playing a practical joke? In any case, Mary felt she ought to disapprove of him utterly. It was her duty to show him up to Miss Marilla, and yet how could she do it when she did not know anything herself? Hurry, Mary, and bring the pie, called Miss Marilla. We're waiting. Mary put the stove lid down and went slowly, thoughtfully back to the dining room, carrying a pie. She studied the face of the young soldier intently as she passed him his pie, but he seemed so young and pleasant and happy she hadn't the heart to say anything just yet. She would bide her time. Perhaps somehow it was all explainable, so she set to asking him questions. By the way, Dick, whatever became of Barker, she requested, fixing her clear eyes on his face. Barker, said Lehman Gage, puzzled and polite, then remembering his role. Oh, yes, Barker, he laughed. Great old Barker, wasn't he? He turned in troubled appeal to Miss Marilla. Barker certainly was the cutest little guinea pig I ever saw, beamed Miss Marilla, although at the time I really wasn't as fond of it as you were. You would have it around in the kitchen so much. There was a covert apology in Miss Marilla's voice for the youthful character of the young man he was supposed to be. I should judge I must have been a good deal of a nuisance in those days, hazarded the soldier, feeling that he was treading on dangerous ground. Oh, no, sighed Miss Marilla, trying to be truthful and at the same time polite. Children will be children, you know. All children are not alike. It was as near to snapping as sweet Mary Amber ever came. She had memories which time had not dimmed. Was it as bad as that? The young man laughed. I'm sorry. Mary had to laugh. His frankness certainly was disarming. But there was that telegram, and Mary grew serious again. She did not intend to have her gentle old friend deceived. Mary insisted on clearing off the table and washing the dishes, and the soldier insisted on helping her. So Miss Marilla, much disturbed that domestic duties should interfere with the evening, put everything away and made the task as brief as possible, looking anxiously at Mary Amber every trip back from the refrigerator and pantry to see how she was getting on with the strange soldier, and how the strange soldier was getting on with her. At first she was a little troubled, lest he shouldn't be the kind of man she would want to introduce to Mary Amber but after she had heard him talk and express such thoroughly wholesome views on politics and national subjects she almost forgot he was not the real dick and her doting heart could not help wanting mary amber to like him he was in fact the personification of the dick she had dreamed out for her own as different in fact from the real dick as could have been imagined and a great deal better his frank eyes his pleasant manner his cultured voice all pleased her and she couldn't help feeling that he was Dick come back as she would have liked him to be all the time. I'd like to have a little music, just a little, before Mary has to go home, Miss Marilla said wistfully, 
as mary amber hung up the dish towel with an air that said plainly without words that she felt her duty toward the stranger was over and she was going to depart at once sure said the stranger you sing don't you miss mary there was no alternative and mary resigned herself to another half hour they went into the parlor and mary sat down at the old square piano and touched its asthmatic keys that sounded the least bit tinny even under such skilled fingers as hers what shall i play questioned mary the long long trail there was a bit of sarcasm in her tone mary was a classical musician and hated ragtime no never said the soldier quickly i mean not that please a look of such bitter pain swept over his face that mary glanced up surprised and forgot to be disagreeable for several minutes while she pondered his expression excuse me he said but i loathe it give us something else sing something real i'm sure you can there was a hidden compliment in his tone and mary was surprised the soldier had almost forgotten that he did not belong there he was acting as he might have acted in his own social sphere mary struck a few chords tenderly on the piano and then broke into the delicious melody of the spirit flower and lehman gage forgot that he was playing a part in a strange home with a strange girl forgot that he hadn't a cent in the world and his girl was gone and sat watching her face as she sang for mary had a voice like a thrush in the summer evening that liquid appeal that always reminds one of a silver spoon dropped into a glass of water and mary had a face like the spirit flower itself as she sang she could not help living breathing being the words she spoke there was nothing absolutely nothing about mary to remind him of the girl he had lost and there was something in her sweet serious demeanor as she sang to call his better nature a wholesome serious sweetness that was in itself a kind of antiseptic against bitterness and sweeping denunciation lehman gage as he listened was lifted out of himself and set in a new world where men and women thought of something besides money and position and social prestige he seemed to be standing off apart from himself and seeing himself from a new angle an angle in which he was not the only one that mattered in this world and in which he got a hint that his plans might be only hindrances to a large life for himself and every one else not that he exactly thought these things in so many words it was more as if while mary sang a wind blew freshly from a place where such thoughts were crowding and making him seem smaller in his own conceit than he had thought he was and now sing laddie pleaded miss marilla a wave of annoyance swept over mary amber's face it was plain she did not wish to sing that song nevertheless she sang it forgetting herself and throwing all the pathos and tenderness into her voice that belonged to the beautiful words then she turned from the piano decidedly and rose i must go home at once was written in every line of her attitude miss marilla rose nervously and looked from one of her guests to the other dick i wonder if you haven't learned to sing her eyes were so pathetic that they stirred the young man to her service besides there was something so contemptuous in the attitude of that human spirit flower standing on the wing as it were in that done with him forever attitude that spurred him into a faint desire to show her what he could do why sure he answered lazily and with a stride transferred himself to the piano stool and struck a deep strong chord or two 
suddenly there poured out a wondrous baritone such was seldom heard in purlingbrook and indeed is not common anywhere he had a feeling that he was paying for his wonderful dinner and must do his best the first song that had come to his mind was a big blustery french patriotic song and the very spirit of the march was in its cadence out of the corner of his eye he could see mary amber still poised but waiting in her astonishment he felt that he had already scored a point when he came to the grand climax she cried out with pleasure and clapped her hands miss marilla had sunk into the mahogany rocker but was sitting on the edge alert to prolong this gala evening and two bright spots of colorful delight shone on her faded cheeks he did not wait for them to ask him for another he dashed into a minor key and began to sing a wild sweet sobbing song of love and loss till mary entranced softly slipped into a chair and sat breathless with clasped hands and shining eyes it was such an artistic perfect thing that song that she forgot everything else while it was going on when the last sob died away and the little parlor was silent with deep feeling he whirled about on the piano stool and rose briskly now i've done my part am i to be allowed to see the lady home he looked at miss marilla instead of mary for permission and she smiled half frightened it isn't necessary at all spoke mary crisply rising and going for a wrap it's only a step oh i think so surely answered miss marilla as if a great point of etiquette had been decided she gave him a look of perfect trust it's only across the garden and through the hedge you know she said in a low tone but i think she would appreciate it certainly he said and turned with perfect courtesy as mary looked in at the door and called good night he did not make a fuss about attending her he simply was there close beside her as she sped through the dark without a word to him it's been very pleasant to meet you he said as she turned with a motion of dismissal at her own steps again he added lamely i-i've enjoyed the evening more than you can understand i enjoyed your singing oh my singing flung back mary why i was like a sparrow beside a nightingale it wasn't quite fair of you to let me sing first without knowing you had a voice it's strange you know you never used to sing it seemed to him her glance went deep as she looked at him through the shadows of the garden he thought about it as he crept back through the hedge shivering now for the night was keen and his uniform thin well what did it matter what she thought he would soon be far away from her and never likely to see her again yet he was glad he had scored a point one point against girl in the concrete now he must go in and bid his hostess good-bye and then away to where End of chapter 3